Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. JC is working at the church this evening, so it's just you and me. Let's see who we get to say hello to in the chat room. By the way, guys, I for the first time in like two weeks... I did not get the Biden ad when opening up the, sh- the live show today. So I don't know. Maybe Biden's run out of money or he just figured he can't get any real following from us. He didn't, you know, YouTube figured they're not going to be able to brainwash these people or influence the people here at the Chris Anna Hall Daily Journal. But or maybe it's just a fluke. But today was the first time in weeks that I haven't gotten the Biden video trying to get up. So we got Kansas and Auburn and uh, another Kansas and Southern Missouri. Oh, look, Amelia got Biden again. (laughs) So it must have been a fluke for me. Liberty State here. And let's see. Oh, Richard Kramer had a Trump ad. I think they know something about you, Richard. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. All right, everybody. Um, Illinois in the house. Look, who do we got over here in, in Facebook land? We have Arkansas, New York, Mount Pleasant, Michigan. More from New York, Pittsburgh, Mississippi, Oregon, California. Uh, hey, uh, Kevin says, I'm a prisoner of California. We have Gavin, not rights. Ah, you always have rights. Gavin cannot take away from you what God has given you. So uh, you may you may not be able to exercise your rights without political or criminal consequences, but that's not the same as not having them. And so we've got to be clear about that, guys. Uh, Yuba City. Hey, Yuba City, Kansas, Montana, Arizona. Wow. West Virginia, Virginia, San Diego, Oklahoma, Franklin, Tennessee. Welcome, welcome, Florida, everybody. Hey, Jill says it's hot in Arizona. It's hot here in Florida too. We had a, we're having a um, uh, heat index warning today. Hundred ten degrees. Man, I tell you what, hundred ten degrees. Chrisanne does not like being outside when it's hot. I know I live in Florida. Wrong place to live. If, if I had my weathers about it, we would be, I would be a snowbird. I totally, totally into the whole thing, the whole snowbird thing. So in the wintertime, come and live in Florida. And when it hits about, you know, many of the snowbirds take off about Easter, but I would wait it out until maybe now, right? So mid to end June, I'd be hightailing it up there uh, to find me some, some nice conservative country property where the government's not going to tell me how I can live, where I have a sheriff that's not going to let the federal government come and rule and reign over my property, where I can have a garden, where I can have a pond without the EPA or the Army Corps of Engineers harassing me. You know, that's, that's, that's what I would look for. That's what I would look for. 110 degrees. See, people people shouldn't be living in 110 degrees. Now, I understand it gets that hot in Arizona, um, but that's dry heat, and that's worse. Okay. 
I know you would expect me to say the opposite. Everybody's like, oh, I hate humidity. No, not me. I don't like when we go to the desert places. I realize I was like, oh, it's dry heat. It's better. No, it's not. My nose, the inside, as soon as I step outside, the inside of my nose will and dries up and I start having nosebleeds and stuffing like and, and stuff like that. I just I just hate that. Uh, oh, uh, Bob Brewer says, elaborate on the message Madison sent to Jefferson on the 50th anniversary of the declaration. You know, that might be a good topic for a show sometime in the future, Bob. We're not going to be doing that tonight. But hey, if you know, there's plenty of beautiful country, Sherry, uh, that has been taken over by the federal government and the leftists. Um, I would even consider living in a state like that if I could live in a county where there was a constitutional sheriff, where there was a sheriff who was going to stand. I would go to Oregon if I could have a constitutional sheriff in Oregon. I would go to Oregon in a heartbeat. That would be my my um my snowbird place right oregon has got to be one of the most beautiful places in these united states but i can't stand your government you know it's crazy we have a trip coming up to texas and if you don't know about uh our texas trip then can i uh or any of our trips for that matter can i encourage you to go to chrisannhall.com and where are we here? ChrisAnnHall.com and go to the little calendar place right here. Click on the calendar and find out where we're going to be. Uh, my assistant, Janet, is so amazing and she keeps everything running like clockwork. Janet is the one that tells me where to go, when to go, and what to do when I get there. If I didn't have Janet, I would be a mess. So go to ChrisAnnHall.com and it explains to you... Um, what my calendar looks like and we have june and july up there these are the events that we have our calendar is i mean seriously it it it, it looks like a desert <laughs> i'm used to having i'm used to having four days off a month you know but with all the covid craziness and venues not being open uh we're doing more and more zoom meetings so let me throw that out there, guys. If you have a group that you want to have constitutional training and you're like, oh, my goodness, how do we get Chris Ann out here to do that? Now, I will do Zoom meetings for you. We've been doing them a lot. Now, Florida is open, so a lot of our stuff here in Florida. But we have uh, we have a a trip coming up in Texas in July. Here we're going, uh, let's see, where are we doing here? Uh, this is a radio interview with WGN Chicago on Saturday, September 11th in July. We will be in Tarrant County, Texas on July 13th. We will be in Denton County, Texas on July 14th. And I will be in Rocky Mountain, Virginia, Virginia, on july 18th and then in palm beach county florida on july uh what was that again 29th our upcoming dates everybody our upcoming dates these are things coming up uh doing the kate daly radio show tomorrow but we've been doing a lot of things look at this check this out we had a zoom meeting uh for illinois representatives 
uh, on Wednesday, uh, June, June 10th. So I just wanted to let you know that if you have a Zoom meeting that you think would be great to schedule, you need to contact us at chrisannhall.com and we can help you get that scheduled. I'll go back here, to do to do, and you just hit the contact thing. And then the contact form comes up, and there you have it. Give me your name, your email, your contact number, a website if you have it, and then a message. Say, I'd like to schedule Chris Ann or JC, mind you, for a Zoom training. You know, JC has a lot of great classes, too. So just keep that in mind. Don't let your constitution training slip by. Don't let it go to uh, lax with your groups. Let us help you train your groups through Zoom meetings. And we will uh, keep up your training. Don't forget, individually and by group you can go to libertyfirstuniversity.com we have group rates where you can do group classes you don't have to have my zoom training then you can stream at your own pace get downloadable pdfs and that and and all the study aids that you need to go along with that so that you can get your constitution training we have plenty of people zoom whatever <laughs> you know what any point on the internet somebody's going to be controlling it, right? And somebody's going to be controlling it. Hey, go ahead and give me your comments here. I'm going to ask you a question. Since we're not doing constitutional training on the road as much, let me ask you a question. Those of you in our chat rooms right now, whether you be on Facebook or whether you be on uh YouTube, we're in Twitter too. You can leave your comments in Twitter. If I were to schedule my own constitutional training events, would you guys be interested in something like that? In like a Zoom meeting or some other online venue? I say Zoom because I've got a, a good Zoom account which allows me to have as many people as I want and allows me to go for more than 45 minutes. And they tell me Zoom has, you know, shored up their problems. But look, you're on Facebook. You're on YouTube. You're on Twitter. Don't pretend you have any kind of data security, okay? And I understand the concern, but these are the words, these are the, these are the worlds that we live in today. And so what we'll do, maybe I'll do that then. I will get with JC and I will get with Janet. And maybe what we'll do is start setting up some online trainings, some not complete like Liberty First University, but to give you an idea, maybe an entrance into Liberty First University and to have the interactive training like that. I think that sounds like a good idea. What do you guys think? Hey, while I've got a minute, why don't we, I remind you to hit the thumbs up as you come into either Facebook or Twitter. Don't forget to go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our classes. We are Monday through Saturday. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday on 7 p.m. I'm going to start filming for Liberty First University the class that I teach to sheriff and police officers. 
and that's going to get put up on Liberty First University. It's actually a three-hour course that I teach all across the country to uh, deputies and police officers. It's the Constitution training that they do not get in the academies, the Constitution training that will keep your sheriff and your, your county and your city out of lawsuits. Now, I understand with qualified immunity and all this other stuff, your, your officers don't have a big concern about that. But you, as taxpayers, should be very, very concerned about lawsuits that come against your police officers or your sheriffs because guess what? You foot the bill. And with a billion dollars, yes, that's a B, a billion dollar ticket for uh, unconstitutional, for civil rights payouts by police officers or on behalf of police officers and sheriff deputies as taxpaying constituents that should be very very concerning for me and so uh hippie that would be my constitutional sheriff class the one that i'm talking about the three hour course then you can get an idea of how that's supposed to work if you're a student at Liberty First University, and you can ask your sheriff or your police chief to have me come and teach it. Or we could do a Zoom meeting. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Hey, guys, uh, let's get started on the news today. Supreme Court. Supreme Court at it again uh, this time. This has to do with the uh, SEC. The SEC is uh, the Security and Exchange Commission. The Securities and Exchange Commission is an independent federal government agency responsible for protecting... Are you ready for this? Responsible for protecting... Investors maintaining fair and orderly function in the securities market and facilitating capital formation. It was created by Congress in 1934 as the first federal regulator, uh, regulator of the securities market. Once again, can I ask you to show me in the Constitution where there is such an authorization for Congress to create such an executive committee. Well, we'll all sit here and twiddle our thumbs while we wait, and we will now move on because it doesn't exist. So here's, oops, sorry, what we have. The Supreme Court upholds the SEC's power to take illegal profits from an Orange County couple. Now, this is one of those things that becomes puzzling when I tell you the facts. All right? So, Charles Liu and Jin Wang, an Orange County couple who solicited a total of 12, I'm sorry, of 27 million, million dollars from foreign investors for a cancer treatment center that was never built. Right there, we're in Orange County, California, and a crime has been committed by Orange County residents. 
Now, let me explain how this could be a mixed bag issue. If this were the Orange County couple, Charles Liu and Jin Wang, committing fraud on American residents, okay? People in other states who are Americans. This would be a state issue. Clear cut. If it was just people in California, it would be a clear cut state issue. People always ask me, what about federal crimes? Okay? What about federal crimes? Well, remember, Article 3 of the Constitution gives the jurisdiction of the federal courts. Okay? And part of the jurisdiction of the federal courts are citizens of the United States and citizens from foreign countries. So what we have is Charles Liu and Jin Wang, of Orange, an Orange County couple, who, f- who committed fraud against foreign investors. So now we have foreign people and U.S. citizens. Now what's interesting is, is that it doesn't really say whether they're citizens or not, so for the sake of argument, we're just going to say they're citizens. They called them Orange County couple in California. You know how they talk. They could just be... Uh, green card holders or they could just be here without any immigration status at all and they would still call them an orange county couple but for argument's sake we'll just assume that they are naturalized or born citizens of the united states so the fact that charles Liu and jin wang have now defrauded foreign people now we have a situation where the foreign people should sue the U.S. couple in federal court. They would have immediate federal jurisdiction. That would be part of what Article 3 explains. Now, this would not, mind you, this would be a civil action, okay? So the civil action would be the foreign investors suing Charles Liu and Jin Wang in federal court court the criminal action occurred in california so it should be a california state issue what we have instead is neither of those two things what we have is the securities and exchange commission taking up the criminal prosecution role that should belong in the state of California. So you have two, you, you have two simultaneous possibilities here. One which is clearly within federal jurisdiction. One which is absolutely within state jurisdiction. And the option that is chosen is neither one of them. Supporting the advancing and ever-growing and bloating pig of the federal government. And the Supreme Court, mind you, doesn't even allow, or, or doesn't even mention once again, that the Securities and Exchange Commission is not constitutionally operating. 
right? There's securities. If it was a civil court case, yes. But by the definition of the Securities and Exchange Commission right here, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is an independent federal government regulatory agency responsible for protecting investors, not a delegated power, maintaining fair and orderly functions of the security markets, not a delegated power, and facilitating capital formation, not a delegated power. So once again, we have the Supreme Court not saying anything about the unconstitutionality of these federal jurisdictions. Not even offering the fact that, hey, this is our jurisdiction if they're sued. Federal, you know, if they're sued by these foreign companies. But if they're not sued by the foreign companies, it's not really our jurisdiction. It is a California criminal code jurisdiction. That's it, period. And without jurisdiction, they can't even make it a federal crime. They don't have the jurisdiction. Now, if it was in Washington, D.C., it could be a federal crime. If it was in a territory of the United States, it could be a federal crime, which, by the way, probably a whole, well, absolutely a whole different show. We should not have long-term territories. We are not an empire that holds territories in hostage. The purpose of, of obtaining governance over territories was a, to be a transition period so that when the territory came under the jurisdiction of the federal government, it was so they could operate organized and, and operate and organize into a state to become a state in the union. And as Jefferson explained in the beginning of the 1800s, once that state formed, then the federal government would have no more jurisdiction over the internal operations of that state ever, ever again. Little bonus for your educational dollar right there. So what we have then is an issue with the uh, Security Exchange Commission taking over jurisdiction. Now, here's what's interesting about what happened. So they, they stole $27 million from foreign investors for a cancer treatment center that was never built. Now, the fraud, again, should be a California case. The uh, civil res restoration can be a civil case. But the couple, well, let me read this now. The SEC... The SEC brought a civil action against them. No, it's not the SEC's job to hit a civil action against them. Alleging that they had misappropriated most of the money through marketing and lavish salaries. A federal district judge and the Ninth Circuit of a Court of Appeals agreed with the SEC and upheld an $8 million civil fine and then required the disgorgement of the entire $27 million. That would be like restitution. They had to pay back the entire $27 million. Now watch this. The couples appealed to the Supreme Court and argued that although Congress had authorized fines and penalties for stock frauds, it did not give the SEC power to disgorge money. Conservative justices in recent years have voiced doubts about the SEC's power. 
and business lawyers saw the prospect of the court rebuking and reigning in the SEC. However, that did not happen. The Supreme Court, by an 8-1 to one vote, held in favor of the SEC. Huh? In favor of the SEC. And the judge, the justice writing the opinion, Sotomayor, remember this is not supposed to be a highly uh, controversial thing, so Sotomayor is going to come in and write this opinion, says, the court holds today that a disgorgement award that does not exceed a wrongdoer's net profits and is awarded for victims is equitable relief permissible under federal law. Uh, Long authorized courts... Uh, The law has long authorized courts to strip wrongdoers of their ill-gotten gains, she says. But, here was the limitation. Courts must deduct legitimate expenses before ordering disgorgement. So now what happens is the courts become the, uh, become, I don't know, accountants. The They become the accountants now. They have to take the money. They have to see how much was taken. They have to then uh, go about deducting what was taken from what is, quote, legitimate expenses and then pay back. So is it fraud or not? I don't. Because if it's fraud, then how do you have legitimate expenses for a fraud? If your actions are fraudulent, meaning you never plan to have a, a cancer treatment center. Now, if you plan to have a cancer treatment center and you did everything in accordance with planning on having a cancer treatment center and then something happens beyond your control and the cancer treatment center doesn't happen. You can sue civilly, but that's not fraud. What we're talking about here is fraud. That's what they're charged with, is fraud. Fraud means I defrauded you. I mean, I never intended to have a cancer treatment center. I just told you I was going to have a cancer treatment center, and it was my intent to take your money from the beginning. If my intent was to take money from you from the beginning, how is it that I can have legitimate expenses. I don't, I don't get this. And remember, from the very get-go, what we have here is an unconstitutional exchange. Now, Gorsuch is not the dissent here. So Gorsuch held with the other seven. or Yeah, with the other seven. It's actually Thomas that dissents. He says the court directly declines to affirm the Ninth Circuit's decision upholding the district court's disgorgement order, but I disagree with the court's decision to vacate and remand for lower courts limit the disgorgement award. Disgorgement can never be awarded under fraud. The statute authorizes Security and Exchange Commission to seek only equitable relief that may be appropriate for net or necessary for the benefit of the investors. And disgorgement is not a, tra- a traditional equitable remedy. So what is 
disgorgement. Disgorgement is the act of giving up something such as profits obtained by illegal or unethical acts on demand or by legal compulsion. A court can order wrongdoers to pay back illegal profits to prevent unjust enrichment. So the main court says that if you the money that you took from the people has to be paid back plus any profits that you got have to be dispersed because they were fraud. They also said even though they're fraud you get to deduct any expenses that you had while you're defrauding the people. Now, let me just explain to you how, as a defense attorney in this particular uh, mechanism, my brain is going to work. Well, the Supreme Court has just said that I can deduct any legitimate expenses, even though I am defrauding these people with intent. So guess what's going to happen? Everything's going to become an expense. Anybody who has ever run a business or a corporation or has known anybody who's run a business or a corporation, uh, expenses, expenses is the key. Everything becomes a write-off. And Gorsuch said, I'm, I'm sorry, not Gorsuch, but Thomas says, I agree that we should uphold the lower court's order, but I disagree that uh, disgorgement can actually be awarded. Meaning the people who frauded you should be to be able to keep their profits. Ask me. Ask me how to keep my brain up with something like that. Ask me how that's supposed to work. He reigns. Asks me, what chapter, chapter did you right in killing the planet chris ann if you uh, get killing the the planet book i have an appendix chapter in the back and it's all about the judiciary coincidentally isn't that crazy he reigns asks me about the judiciary chapter that i wrote probably doesn't even realize that it's all about the judiciary so you guys are listening to this how crazy is this how how this is this is the Supreme Court not holding on the law, not holding on the Constitution, but playing accountant and divvying up funds that have been technically stolen from people. So I, I, I just, I don't get that. Well, you had to know that I was going to cover this case today. Appeals court orders judge to dismiss Michael Flynn case. Let's look at this one. A divided federal courts of appeal on Wednesday ordered uh, the dismissal of the case against former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, likely concluding a long-running court fight that had taken on greater meaning in political debates about the Russia investigation into the 2016 Trump campaign and about the checks and balances the judiciary has on the executive branch. Now, if you'll remember, we'll put put our Flynn picture back up here. If you'll remember, 
Uh, the Department of Justice decided to drop the charges against Michael Flynn, which allowed him to repeal or revoke his guilty plea and be done with it. Well, the federal judge that was initially assigned this case, excuse me, hiccups all of a sudden, the federal judge that was initially assigned this case decided to play prosecutor and say, you know what, I'm not going to let the prosecutors drop this case. I'm going to solicit legal opinions from other people to, in order for me to determine the prosecutor's job. And it went crazy. I mean, this he he actually ended up. It, it was remember the trial. He was Emmett Sullivan was his name. He ended up hiring a private attorney to represent him because there was so much talk of judicial misconduct. Well, now the federal court of appeals has said, no, we will dismiss it. It will be dismissed. And the Department of Justice has prosecutorial discretion to do that. And it is not perjury for Michael Flynn to withdraw his plea. Remember, the whole thing's based on newfound evidence. So he can't commit perjury when he pleads to something to which they did not have all the evidence. So remember, the newfound evidence was all of the information that was eventually disclosed and eventually discovered by DOJ investigations. And then they said, you know what? Maybe we didn't know this. Maybe they did. But we're not going to pursue charges anymore. And so the charges are being dropped. So I think maybe this might be the first time in America where we're actually rejoicing that the, the court that America is upholding an innocent until proven guilty standard. Why do I say we rejoice over that? Because it's such an odd thing these days. It used to be, it used to be the standard. It used to be a given. It used to be that judges did not play prosecutors. It used to be that that prosecutors listen to evidence. It used to be that people were innocent until proven guilty. That used to be the standard. Now, if you're a longtime listener on the show, then you realize that hasn't been the standard for quite some time. So guess what? There you have it. Maybe, maybe we're headed back in the right direction. It's such an inconsistency, though. It really, really is. I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with up today, down tomorrow? Uh, it's arbitrary. Let me just throw that out there. It's completely arbitrary. Why? It's arbitrary because, guess what? The standard of the Constitution is not the standard. The standard our courts use today is precedent, which is up and down and up and down and all over the place, expanding power here, defining power there, sending money here, taking money there. The Constitution is no longer the standard. Whatever judges feel is right, 
whatever judges feel, period, right or wrong, is the standard. Can I mention to you, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to Spencer Roan in 1821, and this is what he said. The great object of my fear is the federal judiciary, that body like gravity ever acting with noiseless foot and unalarming advance, gaining ground step by step and holding what it gains. He's talking right there, that, that, that phrase, uh, that noiseless foot, that unalarming advance, gaining ground step by step and holding what it gains. That is, that is a metaphor for precedent, how precedent has become the standard. And even in 1821 was, was becoming the standard, not the Constitution. He says, holding what it gains is engulfing insidiously the special governments into the jaws of that which feeds them. The recent, uh, the recent recall to the first principles, however, uh, by Colonel Taylor, by yourself and, by, and now by Alexander Smith, will I hope to be heard and obeyed and that, te- that a temporary check will be effected Yet be not weary of well-doing. Let the eye of the vigilant never be closed. Now, obviously, I wanted you to hear the Jefferson's warning, but I also wanted you to hear Jefferson's encouragement. Because guess what? We are living in, in, in the continuation of that step-by-step and the consequence of past step-by-step. But Jefferson says, don't weary of well-doing and let the eye of vigilance never be closed. I'm going to say to you, how is it that we can ever restore our constitutional standard if we continue to allow federal government, especially through the federal judiciary, to become fatter, 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 and just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow ever advancing, with noiseless foot, engulfing and gaining what it holds. Don't be weary in well-doing. Jefferson's saying, look, I know it's annoying. I know it can be exhausting. How many of you think that 2020, we're in June, and 2020 is already the most exhausting year you have ever lived in? And I'm talking psychologically you know, spiritually exhausting year. I mean, the spiritual attacks are relentless. The psychological attacks are relentless. There's plenty of room to be weary and plenty of reason to be weary. But don't be weary in well-doing. Encourage yourself. As a Christian, you encourage yourself in the Lord. Know that what we do today will be judged from eternity's perspective. And even though we may not feel the victory here on this earthly place, the victory is already won. I will give you the example of James Otis Jr., who most realistically gave his life to begin our liberty movement in February of 1761. 
the first man to publicly stand up in his own name, in his own reputation, and give absolutely everything for the cause of our liberty, never lived to see the fruit of his labor. He was abused. He was disrespected. He was disregarded. And he eventually, his life was taken quite interestingly by a flash of lightning calling him to heaven. But did that mean that he did not live a victorious life? No. Because when you're dealing with victory, when you're dealing with liberty, excuse me, victory is an eternal measurement, not a temporal measurement. So when Jefferson is saying, be not weary in well-doing, don't get exhausted because it's exhausting. He's saying, look, do what you need to do. Let not, let, let, me, let me repeat that to you again. Let not, let the eye of, vigilant ne of vigilance never be closed. Let the eye of vigilance never be closed. If you're weary, it's okay. Find your relief. But don't check out. Because remember, it's not about us. Samuel Adams said, when we tamely suffer a lawless attack upon our liberty, we encourage it and we involve others in our doom. That it's a serious consideration that should weigh heavy upon our hearts that ages and millions yet unborn will be the miserable sharers of our experience. What we fight for today shouldn't be for our jobs. Hey, Mac. Hey, Mac, you're interrupting me. You going to give me an amen here? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. What we should be fighting for is not ourselves. Not just ourselves. Our personal prosperity should not be our focus because liberty is eternal. We've got to keep that in mind. That's why he said... Don't grow weary and don't let the vigilance of the eye be closed because ages and millions yet unborn are relying on us to do not just simply the right thing, but the difficult thing. Remember Thomas Paine said, if there be trouble, let it be in my day so that my child may have peace. Can I remind you once again, libertyfirstuniversity.com, if you enjoy the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, please check out libertyfirstuniversity.com. Get this training in your house for a very small registration fee, for a very small monthly fee. You can have education that Harvard should be teaching, but not taught like Harvard, taught like the founders were teaching it themselves. Now, I don't, I don't teach you in Elizabethan English, mind you. This is everybody can understand it. That's why we have homeschool students. That's why we have students six, uh, sixth grade and up. And we also have law students, people with PhDs in American history, political science, government officers, 
police officers, sheriff's deputies, sheriffs themselves enrolled in our classes so that we can be who we're supposed to be. So before you leave, make sure you give us a thumbs up. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button, that little bitty red subscribe button down there so you never, ever miss a show. Share the, uh, share the link for the, dis uh, for the, sh the website to the, our YouTube to Facebook with your friends so that they can also subscribe and get ready for this. Uh, show every day, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, a teach show, not a talk show. Thank you, Dragon's Talon, for your super chat donation. He says, uh, Dragon's Talon says, Mac deserves a Liberty Rawhide bone. Love you, Chris Ann. <laughs> Mac gets his share of treats, I guarantee you. So thank you guys for joining me today. And I will be sure to see you tomorrow. God bless.